So today's topic is the art of reflective listening with kids. And sometimes when we sit on their beds at night talking to them, there's so much on our own mind with things going on in our own life that we really have to actively tune into what they're saying and get to really connect to them on a very deep level. So what I'm going to do is share with us a couple of ideas about reflective listening, which will make it easier for us to be able to connect to them properly and to connect in a way that is suitable for our children. So I'm just adding somebody in right now. Um, I don't see them on video, but they're added, so hopefully they can hear me. All right, so tonight for you, which is today for me, good luck to everyone. The art of reflective listening. If I can just ask everyone to mute themselves as well, because um, we don't want to have voices in the background. It's a little bit noisy. So, okay. We're going to start with our first slide. And our first slide is about active listening. So here we go, active listening. We're starting with learning about listening properly to the kids so that we can be in tune with what they're really saying. And here you see on this slide, there are lots of different colors, lots of different pins, because there are different ways that we can achieve it, but one general rule. So active listening is gonna go as follows. First of all, I just wanna remind everyone about the emotional bank account that we always spoke about in the last couple of weeks and that we have to give five to one positives per negative to give our kids more compliments than they're currently receiving, to notice them being good and to point out what they're doing well. Because if we fill up their emotional bank account, they'll be much more willing to hear if there is a negative. But if they're not feeling like their tank is full of good feeling, it'll be very hard for them to accept any criticism or take it on board. So remembering the emotional bank account and complimenting them five positives per negative, which is sometimes a little bit hard, but catch them being good. And like in the nurture heart approach, notice them being good and tell them, I notice you're trying so hard. I notice it's been so hard for you and yet you've pushed through, you've been able to do well. So let's talk about active listening um, and reflective listening as well. What we do is one person at a time is the sender and receiver. So if the child is talking, only they hold the floor and they talk. And even if they're saying things that are not so um, easy for us to hear or appropriate or true or things that are not exactly the way we see it, they need to know that they are going to be listened to and that they are being received. So sometimes this is very hard because what they're saying may not be accurate in our opinion, but to them it's very real and true. And so because of that, we have to make sure that they feel that they can, they can share and be the sender while we receive without us jumping in. Then the child or adult whoever started repeats what happened and we say, if I heard correctly, this is what you said. And they'll let you know, yes or no. And then you'll say, is there anything else? And you have to paraphrase what the child is saying so that you make sure that you understand completely. Now the emotion is taken out because you took the time to listen. You are the mirror. You are mirroring what they're saying. And the sender, the person who's sharing it can say yes or no. And sometimes what they'll say is painful to hear, but we nevertheless have to give that person, that child, 
the time to say what's on their mind because if we shut it down, they won't be coming to us again to talk about it and they won't have anywhere to uh, share what's on their mind and it's not gonna be a positive um, ending. Then you could say something like, you sound so frustrated by such and such and such. Like for example, if your child comes home from school and says a teacher berated them or a teacher yelled at them or a student hurt them, you could say you sound so frustrated and I understand how you feel. And then you can add how you feel hearing what they're saying. It was hard for me to hear you share about that because I hate the thought of disappointing you, whether it was you as a parent to, uh, to the child, whether they telling you that you disappointed them. And then check that they felt hurt and calmer enough to hear your perspective and your feelings. And then you could say back to them, is now a good time for me to share how it all happened for me? And then you would share very gently and with respect how you feel and to be prepared to back it up or stop the conversation if someone gets stuck again. Even a teenager, even an angry teenager, when they're ready to talk, we need to hear what they have to say and validate that it's okay to feel that way. Whoever shares first gets to finish speaking before the other shares, even if the child or teen is sharing complaints about you. That's something that you have or haven't done, even if you know that it's actually not the case. We have to try and remain focused on what they're sharing and not on preparing the response to what he or she has said, even if the child is totally inaccurate, even if you had a very good reason for what you did and you were in a no-win situation and you did all you could in that circumstance, you still have to validate their feelings. And it's painful to hear it and sometimes it's hard because you know the child is in pain, but they don't always get to be privy about what's really going on in the background that the way things happen but we still need to give them a chance to vent and to share how they feel about what went on there's also the i messages um, which we also used in our communication prior to this about using feelings to describe the situation and feelings are a one word phrase it's not a phrase it's a one word more than that it becomes a thought and best, of course, if we use vulnerable feelings, I am saddened when I hear what's going on for you at school. I'm worried to hear that you feel ignored in class. Or you can say to the child, I feel ignored when you play Candy Crush and I'm trying to talk to you. So you're not telling them that they are bad, just how you feel. I feel ignored when you play Candy Crush. And you're also avoiding combative feelings like I feel mad, I feel angry, I frustrated. I wanna use words that are more of a feeling because they'll tap into that emotion. And you can heighten the emotion, that's fine, but one word, and that is what the I message is. I feel ignored when you sit at the table playing on your phone and I just made a hard earned dinner. Okay, then we can have something called a collaborative discussion where the child and the parent sits down and the child tells them, what the issue is. For example, the child says, I want to go on a skiing trip with my friends. And you know that there's no way you can afford to send them on that ski trip. So in this collaborative discussion, at first you will agree with them. I agree you should go. I agree that you wanna be part of your group of friends. Then you're even going to add something onto it. You're gonna augment it. You work so hard in school you are putting so much effort into your schoolwork or at home, you're really putting a lot of effort, you really, really work hard, you're really pulling your weight at home or at school, 
At the same time, I'm concerned how we can afford it. And then you can come up with ways and solutions how you can get to get the child involved in understanding what the problem is and perhaps they can earn it, they can help pay babysit, they can do other things to help you afford it so they're not feeling that they will miss out. And if they can't, at least they know you acknowledge and you're giving them their wish that you really agree they should go, you want them to go, they deserve to go, but you just can't see it happening right now. So you're giving them a wish, you're validating what their wish is. Okay, a collaborative interaction. Here we have, again, another way of interacting where we're not going after the child, we're going after the issues. So say the child has a very messy room. We're not gonna label them and say, you are a mess, you're such a slob, you're so uh, disorganized, you can never find your pencils, you can never find your shoes. Every morning it's a big race to get to school. We're gonna go after the issues. And of course, we're gonna solve one problem at a time because if the child has issues with managing at, at home their mess, of course, there's probably gonna be other runoff issues from that. We can't solve every problem. We're gonna solve one problem at a time only. And this way, if it's with a teenager or a preteen, if you're dealing with one problem, they're not feeling like they're a total mess up. They're just dealing with one problem and we're gonna help them through it. We're also gonna stay in the present and not bring up all the sins that they did and all the negative interaction that they had from years ago. And of course, defining ourselves and not the child. So when we go after the issue, we're defining the issue, we're defining ourselves, how we feel about it, we're not labeling them. So that we're giving them that teshuva window, we're giving them the opportunity to fix it. Otherwise, if they feel that you put them in a box and they can't move out of that box, they're not gonna have the impetus to change that. Okay, so what happens if it's getting really, really high? The emotions are getting high, everyone's getting edgy, they're about to have a huge fight and they start to get angry and using bad words. It's okay to say, this is escalating, let's take a break. It's okay to realize and to recognize this is getting really, really, really high end emotion. Someone's gonna say something nasty, it's about to get really, really bad, we're going to take a break because it's escalating. And of course, the rules are, um, the rules are that we're not going to have any um, degrading language, no swearing, no yelling, no force, which is so destructive. So you are relating what you are feeling at the moment as I am in the present. And that time out is, okay, if the child is having a meltdown and they're just not able to take it in, we need to say, this is escalating, let's take a break. Because continuing to talk at this time is not only going to be destructive, it's gonna be counterproductive. So when they start getting to the point where you see their breathing is changing, their eyes, you know, the eye gaze is changing, they're getting edgy, their hands are starting to fidget, they're getting angry, it's about to get really explosive, we say, this is an escalating, let's take a break. Okay, because you want them to be trusting you, you want them to feel safe, and you wanna feel safe around them. So you could look at these words here in the images to see what I mean. Um, you know, where the person was noticing something's wrong, I'm thinking something's wrong, I'm about to criticize, and the other person is watching, trusting, inquiring, listening, breathing, and not being taking it personally because they remove the emotion because they're using active listening or reflective listening. Okay, 
So how do we actually achieve the time to listen? It's very hard in our day and age to actually make the time to listen to each person properly if we don't schedule it in. So it's important to write the days of the week on the top of a paper with a child. And on the bottom of the paper, they have to write what days they have for family time, what days or hours they have for together time, private time just with the parent, and what days are just personal time. And every Sunday you can sit together and work out the week ahead because if you have a schedule and if you have made the time to listen, it's much harder for them to get out of it because it's already in the schedule. And there's no reason why, just like we schedule for work appointments, we can't schedule in a family time appointment, a private time appointment, a personal time appointment with the individual child. So I want everyone to take a little exercise and to take a piece of paper and pen. I'll wait for a few minutes. And you're going to do the list right now on the paper. You're going to write family time, together time and private time, and personal time, just for yourself. You can practice this on yourself. And find slots during the week that you can fill in for family time, time that you have private time with each child and or your spouse, and personal time, which is just for you, self-care. I'm gonna give you a few moments to do that. Doesn't have to be anything fancy, even into your phone and your notes, you can do it if you don't have a paper and pen handy. So family time could be time when you take them riding bikes in the park. It could be taking them for trips. It can be taking them even, you know, summer holiday. Private time would be where you take the child alone on an errand or just to talk or for a drive in the car or for, um, you know, just some one-on-one -on -one with that particular child. And personal time is where you put in your time, whether it be exercise time or reading time or time in the bath just for your own self. So let's divide that up into the three sections. And try and make that little schedule so that they can really see that there's effort there. And what you do is you can ask the child to fill in on your sheet if it works for them. And you can have different color pens for different children. So the teenager gets one particular color, the you know, elementary child gets another particular color, the younger child the other color, and so that you can blend it in and see where you're making time for everybody. And this is the time to listen. Okay. Now, with reflective listening, we have to remember, behind every anger is hurt. And we need to ask the child, can you express how hurt you were? We need to get them to share how hurt they were. You sound so frustrated by dot, 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 dot. And then you can then let them know how you felt hearing that all. So they are understanding that you also have emotions and what it felt like to hear what they just shared with you. And you can say something like, it was hard for me to hear you share about that because I hate the thought of disappointing you. I'm not doing this with malicious intent that I disappointed you. I had my reasons for what I did. 
you took it your way, but I had my reasons what was going on for me as a parent that day. And unfortunately, I disappointed you. I couldn't do what you asked because of X, Y, and Z. But if I don't share it to them, then they don't really know that there's another person here that also has feelings and emotions. And then you could say, is now a good time for me to share how it all happened for me when you had the meltdown, tantrum, shouting match, were disrespectful, et cetera, et cetera, if that's the case. So when they're angry, there's a hurt there. Was there an attachment issue? They wanted your attention and you weren't looking at them. They wanted to talk to you and you weren't available. Or they wanted to be left alone and you kept running after them, kind of like, you know, pursue, withdraw. You're pursuing to talk to them and they keep withdrawing. Or they're trying to talk to you and you're withdrawing because you're worried about something. Or they attack, so you attack. So there's different ways that it comes out. But at the end of the day, there's a dance here and we need to change the steps to fix the relationship. So again, very important to share gently and with respect. And the idea is that when you share gently and with respect, you might have to back up or even stop the conversation because they may not be sharing with such respect. But we have to teach them that no matter how angry we are, we have to have respect. And sometimes it takes a while to teach this, maybe even years, but if you keep at it, they'll get better at it too. So how respect really plays part of having a conversation and it will help them when they go to work when they have to have a difficult conversation with their boss or they have to have a difficult conversation with a teacher they'll know that they can feel comfortable to talk to them because they will share with respect. Um, that actually also takes us to the end of this particular um, talk, but I wanted to go back to one of the slides here for a minute to the timeout because I think that it's very important to look at the timeout one for a second. And I want you to look at the words to really notice both sides of the couches. You see on one side, relate what you are, and you'll see the words recalling, thinking, noticing, feeling, saying, questioning, seeking. We actually need to know what is in our heart, what we're feeling. I'm wishing to explain something. I'm wanting to explain this to you, or I'm holding on to something that's really bothering me. Here are lots of words you can use. I'm fearing that you're tuning out when I'm talking to you. I'm revealing to you my deeper most feelings. I'm envisioning a better opportunity for us. And you're using words that are really important to express what's going on. Because sometimes we ourselves don't really know what we're feeling. We're just angry, but why? Are you releasing tension? Are you holding back emotions because you're afraid of being pushed back? Are you recalling a painful moment? Are you um, admitting something that you feel uncomfortable about? Are you fearing that you might be dismissed by the child if you bring it up? So we have to really know what we're thinking inside of us and how am I going to be with you now at the present? How are you going to be listening? How are you going to be welcoming? How are you going to be inquiring, trusting, witnessing, open, all the positive words on the black and white section. I'm observing, I'm sensing, I'm relaxing, I'm being courageous whatever it is that the child is sharing with you or vice versa. So very important to realize that you might be coming in with lots of emotion, but what's it really behind there? What happened? What's it triggering for you? And sometimes these attachment issues can be from youth, like maybe when you 
were trying to get someone's attention, they were not available. So you learned that it's not good to try and call on that person's attention because they're not going to be there for you. So you learn to shut down. And so right now you're shutting down instead of really knowing that you need to share with the child or with a teenager what's going on for you. So think back to times where you may not have had that proper attachment and maybe you can express it with the child. Maybe the child didn't have proper attachment because you were the one busy and you could call that out and say, look, I know that in the past I may not have been so available this week, last month, this during Corona, whatever. I may not have been so available. I've been busy with worrying about how to bring in Parnassa. My job was lost or I was worried about how we're going to all live together or how we're going to work out on Zoom and school, whatever the issue is. And you can be honest about it and say, I'm sorry about what happened, but I know that you're feeling this way and I'm calling it out for what it is. And I like to have a better attachment between us. So let's make it better because even if it wasn't good till now, it doesn't mean we can't make it better. And the child senses your honesty, the child relaxes and understands that life can get in the way sometimes and that the child will reflect respectfully what is in it, for, like what has been in themselves, what has been bothering them and how they're going to uh, be seeking more connection and trust in the future with you, okay? So it's very important to have an understanding of what is going on inside and what is really, really tripping you and triggering you. And it could be you're watching what happened to you happen all over to them, and that might be triggering you. So it's very important to share and to pull them in and have a time that we make a time to discuss in a relaxed atmosphere what's going on. So that's really important. So I think if you want to take a photo of this particular slide, it's important to see the different words that you could use to help go through that and to take a break if it's escalating, not to actually continue yelling and watch them swearing and putting down the grading language. No, to say this is escalating, let's take a break. Because then you get into the cycle that it could last for hours and hours, no one gets a good night's sleep and no one is fresh the next morning. Um, so again, I'm hoping that with the exercise of the family time, together time, private time, and personal time, we can fit in some of that and we can bank on our other discussions that we had, whether it was uh, discussions of the five love languages, whether it's the discussions of reflective listening, and use these tools to help us with our children. So I'm just opening up the screen. If anybody has any questions, you're welcome to unmute yourself. We've got a few more minutes left to the end of today's um, discussion, and I'm just opening up if anybody wants to share. Um, you could actually send a message on the chat as well, if you wish. I'm just going to stop sharing the screen, and you're welcome.